Why, hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Orange Juice Optional. I'm Michelle, and at this point in the conversation, I would be introducing Suzanne, but she's not here with us today. Instead, in her place, we have a co-host. It's a very good mutual friend of both of ours, so I'd like to take a moment to welcome Christina Woolston. Hi, Christina. Hi, Michelle. Missing you, Suzanne, but... Your absence is my blessing and getting to visit with you for a little while, Michelle. I know it's been a really long time since we've caught up. Life just gets busy and our intent is always there, but it's hard. It's been almost, has it been a year or has it been two years since we came down to visit you guys? It's been not quite a year, but that year's fast approaching. So it means another trip is needed. I would concur. Yeah, that was a blast. Always very short, but you know, you and I have such so many things in common that the time goes by very, very quickly. Like no time has passed. Exactly. We're in the same book club. We have kids that are similar ages. We're both on our second marriage and we have our kids and bonus kids. And yeah, we just do have a lot in common. Yeah, it was, I reflect back on how we met. I met Suzanne the same time as well. I worked with both of your spouses and I just consider that to be one of the most pivotal points in my professional, but also my personal life too. I just feel like I experienced so much growth and one of the most rewarding components of that was I'd never really had a a work family where spouses were so such a big part of the family, the company family, the corporate presence. And so Tim, my husband and I both really benefited from this great group of colleagues of mine, but then also their spouses that we got to know over the course of about 11 years. It was, um, I miss it a great deal. Can you believe it has been eight years? I can't. Oh my gosh. You're aging me. Aging both of us, I guess. Yeah. Gracefully, but yes. I try to do it gracefully, but I will share the story. I went into the Safeway here in town today. It's the first Wednesday of the month. And I didn't even think about what that meant, but it's their senior day. So for anybody 55 years or older, if you come in and buy groceries, they're going to give you a 10% discount. Okay, so that's not even in my mind. It's just the day I needed to shop. I'm checking out and the clerk says to me, I know your spouse is somewhere here, so I'm gonna give you 10% off. And at first I didn't know what he was saying. And then I'm like, oh, it's that damn senior day again, which is a wonderful thing. But he was probably just trying to be nice to me and not say you look 55 and I don't wanna ask you, so I'm just gonna give it to you. It sounds like he was thinking you were a much younger spouse of somebody who was exercising the 55 and older <laughs> in benefit. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I was like, oh, this just really, really sucks. So I really, I can't believe it's been eight years since you left. Now going back, so that'd be eight plus 11, 19 years. Wow. Mm-hmm. We've known each other yeah. a long time. Do you remember what your first impression was of like Suzanne? I was a little intimidated by Suzanne, except I will say that Jeff is so funny and he tells a lot of stories about his family and his life and perhaps some that diffused the sense that Suzanne might not be 
a person that I could get to know because I felt like I knew her a little bit because of the stories Jeff would tell. But he told them to help me feel at ease walking into these situations with work that also, you know, involved family and all of these other things, which can be awkward and weird, but also super fun and rewarding. And I just remember Suzanne being so exceedingly poised, as always, you know, always the right thing to say, a measured response. I hugged her, of course, the first time I saw her because I am a hugger, as we all know. And love about Suzanne, not a hugger. <laughs> so how did she react in that moment? Did she just accept it and smile? Or did she, she was, give you a look? She was very polite about it. But I am sometimes not the best at picking up nonverbal cues. And so I just I just went with it. And I, I think for it became a joke. I'm just coming in for a hug, Suzanne. It's just going to happen. <laughs> over the years. So she just knew that I was always going to hug her when I saw And she comes to expect, I think at this point, if you didn't hug her, she would wonder what was wrong, because that's always been the relationship you had. Yes. And, you know, our, we know so much about each other and our spouses and our kids. And, you know, it is, she's a grandma now. So there's lots of hugging when you're a grandma, right? Definitely. Definitely. So your first impression of Suzanne was poised and put together, knew the right thing to say, which is all true. So when you looked at me, were you like, this lady does not have her stuff together? Because I feel like I was always a mess and just trying to keep up. Oh, everybody was. I think some people just hit it better. But no, I thought, first of all, I just thought you had the most kind of friendly, vivacious face, you know, this beautiful blonde hair and just very bright eyes. And I, re I deeply respected Rob. And so I was super interested to get to know you. I thought you were really friendly. I felt like you were totally put together. But again, we all, you know, what we display is not necessarily what's going on. And you and I have been very real with each other over the years about the various points of our lives that are challenging, opportunities for growth, all of these buzzwords, right? But in the end, I think it was the fact that we had so much in common with our personal life and both being moms to, you know, our husband's children. So, you know, our, our bonus kids, our stepkids, whatever people call them within the their relationship with their children. It was so comforting for me to feel like I was getting to know a person that understood a lot of the dynamics that I didn't have a lot of friends in the same situation. So for me, it was such a huge blessing to have you come into my life as a, you know, a bonus person, the spouse of a colleague of mine. Oh, well, thank you so much. And as you said, I feel those same same things. Um, when I first met you, I just thought you were a firecracker. I thought you were completely grace and style and chaos, chaos all like blended together, but in this package that inspired. You were so friendly, you were so outgoing, and you did so much to make other people feel at ease. And I remember going to your wedding and I just was in awe of 
how you were holding it all together because there was so much going on around you and you still had a smile on and your face and it was still this can-do attitude and no, it'll be what it'll be and just going with the flow, which is something I've never done very well, but for you, it seemed to come so naturally. Oh, well, thank you. I think some of the just do it, like the Nike logo or phrase is growing up as I did. I, I grew up in rural Alaska with not a lot of the fineries in life and certainly a, a hard growing up commercial fishing and just a lot of expectations. And I was given a lot of independence to run this you know, pretty industrial business that we had at a very young age and as a young woman. And I think part of my approach in life has been less finesse, more just power through it. And sometimes it's not very pretty, but it just, for me, it's an inertia thing. And, you know, those were the early days getting to know my work family and also getting to know my stepdaughters, so my real family. And so it was an inertia thing for me that, you know, those are, you just have to keep going. And that's how in some of those areas where you may not feel confident for me, that's how I get through everything is I just apply more energy to it. It might not be the healthiest thing. It might, it's definitely not for everybody, but that's me. Right. And I always really appreciated the fact that you were so direct and we knew where we stood with you. There was no pretense or beating around the bush. And I really admire that in my friends. And that's always something I've looked up to with you. And I've also really admired where you do have this life and you're trying to find that work family balance. It just all kind of melded together. Here you have young kids, and instead of making excuses why you can't do something, you just folded them into the mix. Like, they're just going to come with me. They're going to have these experiences, too. And that was just so incredible to watch and see you find the balance there. Do you you find you have a good work-life balance? It's so interesting. I feel like I owe as much credit to the company as and Jeff and all these other people for helping me to make it work, seeing the value that I had and allowing me to carve out what ultimately really was a work-life balance, kind of a hybrid of on the road a lot. But when I was home, I had the opportunity to work from home around the kids and be really present in their lives. And it was... I think a bit of an experiment. I've I've never had as much flexibility since then, but the kids are now older. And so they need less of the hands-on and more of the hearts-on approach to things. You know, have one both out of college, one in law school now, one working in a professional in Washington, D.C. You still have two at home in high school, but they're so independent and self-reliant and they love that they love being trusted to do their own thing they both work one of them has two jobs and you know they manage their school work to some degree to a good degree very well but as they've gotten older and i don't know how you how you dealt with this michelle 
But I find it hard to be this other kind of parent with my kids where I'm not doing things for them all the time. A lot of it's with them now, which is so amazing, but it's just really different because they don't need us as much, right? That's so true. And I'm thinking back to the words you just shared about you were hands-on, now you're heart, heart on, like everything you do is through the heart and that's what they need. Has that been a tough transition from going to being involved in everything and making play dates and now just being there as a support system, being there when they want to talk to you, even though sometimes maybe, and I'm only saying this from Mm -hmm. my own experience, you feel dismissed a little bit by them. I had four boys, so I, I did experience that. It is a hard transition because I find that sometimes it's so much easier to see what parenting is when the kids are little and you're doing these daily, almost hourly things with them for them. And as they get older, it's so much more nuanced, right? It's supporting them through a big test or a challenging relationship or a disappointment. But it's also, for me, the opportunity to be so much more vulnerable with my kids as they're talking about, you know, much more mature relationship challenges and, you know, understanding the dynamics that, you know, no marriage is perfect, no relationship, no family is perfect. And to, to be more real and authentic with them in a way that you really can't be when they're as little, we've always been very open with them about, you know, a lot of things like, like sex and relationships and, you know, accepting of, you know, people's choices and who they date and, and a lot, and to some degree, you know, a lot of degree, their personal appearance. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been super interesting transition hard. For me, it's been a hard transition to not be as hands-on. I've learned a lot about myself that I really am. I'm such a pleaser. I'm such a doer that not having the opportunity to do as much in a day for my kids. Yeah, that's been hard for me. How about you? Definitely hard. Um, My sister put it best many years ago when she said, being a parent is really just a slow grieve because you never know when the last time you're going to do something for your child is. Like the last time they ask you to read them a story in bed. In that moment, you don't know that's occurring. So you don't know to like, memorize that moment remember all the feelings about it and then they just change and they evolve and you used to be really cool but now maybe you're not so cool but then as they get older you go back into being someone they want to talk to and share their experiences with and get your advice on things and yeah no it's it's really a challenge going through that because when they're younger, you just do everything. And I still would do everything for my kids. Let's be honest, if they needed help moving out of a place, I would be so happy to come clean because like you, I'm a giver. And yeah. that's how I show my love, it's my love language. But yeah, I, I try to keep my mouth shut more and just be available to listen, which isn't always easy. It's so, Love that advice and that perspective from your sister. I think Christine is just, she's so wonderful. I don't know about you, but I find that Savannah and Shelby, the two oldest, I lean on them for support and perspective around things. One, 
in my life, my personal and professional life. But, you know, their sister, Charlotte, is 16. And they were there. You know, it was nine and 12 years ago, but they lived through this at this age. And it has been so wonderful to hear from them what their life was like back then, because they weren't in that age, in that moment, you're not necessarily sharing it with your parents. But I have to say that it is so enlightening to hear from the older girls what they think their younger sister is going through. And just to look at it from a non-parent, but a person who really loves this person, to look at it from their perspective has been really helpful. I imagine so. And you're kind of right now in the in-between of emptiness because you have the two older girls, beautiful, successful, living their lives, living their dreams. And then, as you said, the two younger kids. Do the older girls feel like they can offer advice to Charlotte? Like, will they go directly to her or will Charlotte go directly to her sisters, kind of keeping you out of the loop? Yeah, they're... You know, there have been some things Charlotte wanted to share with us. So great. She got to shop it with her sisters and chat through it with them and, you know, just have the opportunity to share it with somebody and to say some things out loud before she came and chatted with us. And I think that's really helpful. I also have to say that One of the things I didn't have growing up, but I wish everybody did, and I'm so pleased that is so normal now, is for people to have somebody to talk to professionally, some sort of a therapist or a coach, somebody at every age, just somebody who is emotionally and physically separate from the people in your life so that you can talk through things. During the pandemic, I have found so much benefit in the perspective of talking through things with somebody else. And I know these teens today, boy, they sure have a lot on their plate and on their hearts. They definitely do. And I know there have been points in my life also where I've turned to working with counselors just because it's somebody objective. It's somebody removed from the situation and the advice that they're offering just hits home because they're listening and they don't have to have the pressure of from a mom's opinion, a dad's opinion, a friend's opinion. So I've always found that helpful. And I would tell anybody to go talk to a counselor if they could, if they were having a hard time. So you asked about the, you know, the advice of the older girls, but what I find so equally encouraging is that the girls ask us for a ton of advice and feedback on their work, on their relationships, on their next decisions, things or situations they're navigating through. I'm in New Hampshire right now because daughter's boyfriend just earned his PhD in quantum physics today. So, you know, that's super exciting to get to be here and they want you to be here and a part of these things. And, and your younger kids, even though they don't say it, they love having you there and observing them doing their thing and It's been really great to see that full circle with the older girls come back around, be more peers, but also they really are looking for your advice because you're a parent and they know you love them and you will do anything for them. You know, we've all made mistakes as parents, but 
if at the end of the day, your kids know that they can count on you for a safe place to talk through things or not talk through things and be okay with that too, that's all we can ask for. And, you know, certainly made some mistakes, but hopeful that's uh, our relationship for, for the rest of our lives. I think it will be. I've watched you parent these kids and they're all so blessed to have you. And Rob and I, we've had a lot of conversations about making the right decision and doing our best. And his advice to me has always been, Michelle, if at the time you make the decision, you had all the facts and that's what you made it based on, you can't make a wrong decision. Like information might come down the road, but you didn't have it at the time. So you just do the best you can. And then you really do give yourself grace and allow yourself to let go of the mistakes and learn from them. Oh, absolutely. I do have to say, I was very excitedly telling folks within um, Riley, who's our daughter's boyfriend, that we had some champagne at his ceremony today. And I said, well, I get to be a guest on a podcast today called Orange Juice Optional. So I'm going to get the party started here. Yeah, I hope you're drinking a big glass of champagne (laughs) right now. Are you? It's been a fun day. Yes, absolutely. Well, let me ask you real quick, also, because we didn't have this growing up, but how are you navigating with social media and your younger kids? Because again, with the older kids, it was coming around, but it's different now. Yeah. No, that's such a good question. So we have a 17-year-old son and a 16-year-old daughter still at home. And, you know, early on, we navigated through agreements with them, you know, that we would always have access with their phones. And so they've always known that that's out there, that we can just see their content anytime. But they're, again, their older siblings have had a lot of influence on the their perspective of social media and understanding unhealthy so many aspects of social media are i just was discussing with the kids the other day there's a trend now with younger young adults to transition to dumb phones the flip phones because it doesn't have social media and there's an understanding that social media is having a negative social health impact on youth and the the targeted ads and the targeted content, perhaps not around very positive topics, is reinforcing either bad self-image or negative thinking. So those are things that I think the more we can talk about and be aware of, our kids do not really participate in social media a great deal. They don't post a lot. One of the things that we talked early on about our, you know, in some cases, boys and girls are manipulated with content that is inappropriate. And we have real examples of friends, kids who have been manipulated in that way because they share content they should have. And those are just really, of course, really scary things because then they feel they can't come to you. The boys, I think, to a lesser degree are impacted by it. Noah's more interested in, he has a great group of friends and they game a lot. They don't really do it engage with anybody else outside of their small friend group. The only social media site I think our son really 
watches is anything related to the Buffalo Bills football team. <laughs> so I wonder where he um, gets that. Maybe his I dad. I wonder. <laughs> I know his his dad's proudest legacy that we've that we've raised four more, you know, depressed but very loyal football fans. Buffalo Bills. The older kids are really good about checking in and everybody watches each other's content. And, you know, I have to say there's a lot of kids out there, our kids age who, you know, very suggestive photos. And I'm happy that it doesn't seem to be the focus or the propensity for our kids to do anything like that. It's really more about the experiences that they're having. So if you had to guess, do you think your kids would consider you cool? There's a couple things that I think they think are unusual of a parent and a parent my age. I really love mountain biking. And I think, you know, I get a lot of eye rolls, but I can hang with them in sports and music and, you know, enough topics that I think they don't think that I would embarrass them per se <laughs> in a setting. They do think that I'm extra. They do, you know, wish that I would be less gregarious in a public setting. You know, cheering at football is is one thing that I will say I um, lose a little dignity over, but I uh, I wear my my support of my kids on my sleeve very loudly. Yes, and. That's what we're supposed to do as parents. When they're playing, we're supposed to be there cheering them on and letting them know that we're there. How do you do that now, Michelle, with the kids being older? How do you show that support for them? I make an attempt or like, how should I put it? I just try to follow their lead, I guess is the best way to put it. I go to visit them, even if it's just for a day or two, just to get that time in and to let them know that I'm there. And I don't ever want to be seen as being too intrusive or pushing myself on them. So I really do kind of follow their lead. I have some kids that call all the time, want my opinion all the time. I'm there for it. And then I have others when I call, they're like, annoyed by it. But if they call me, they want to talk. And so I just kind of try to read where each of the kids are at and just really stay connected. If they need something, they know I'm always there. They don't ever question it. And again, because we have a physical space between us, everyone in different states, making the effort and being present when they want me to be there, mm. showing up. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. I, I find that it's so neat. There are a little, I'm sure your kids each have their own love language and their own things, but Noah shared something with us kind of out of the blue. And there's this really great child coach or parenting coach, excuse me, parenting psychologist. Her name is Dr. Laura Markham. And she encourages parents and she has suggestions of every age to find a different way of asking questions that are more open-ended and invite a better conversation instead of just a one-word answer. And that changed. I didn't know that I was doing that until I stopped doing that, the closed-ended questions. And once I did, it it really did change the quality and the duration and the content of our conversations. And so that's been a fun thing as they've grown to utilize some of the same concepts and tools 
for a more grown-up, mature conversation. I love the idea that I recognized in myself when I was younger, when I would have conversations with my mom, I would always give the one word answers, which would lead to the next question, next question, and I would get frustrated. And finally, when I had my own kids, I would say like, where are you going tonight? Out? Well, what does out mean? With friends? And so I found myself in that same pattern, doing that same thing. So finally, I just sat them down. I said, you know, when I ask you a question, why don't you just say, I'm going out with friends, we're going to a movie and I'll be home by 10. And then like, I don't have to ask more questions, but finding a way to phrase the questions. Now that, that's a gift. It was certainly a gift from this woman who knows a lot more and has done a, you know, a great deal of showing parents a different way. We, Noah is probably, you know, of the two younger, more forthcoming and proactive about sharing things. But for both of them, when we ask these priming conversations, it's, it's pretty awesome to hear what's going on in their lives and what they're thinking about and, and focusing on. Certainly, I feel like it's a lot more than I was thinking about or considering when I was their age. It was all, you know, sports and boys and maybe some school, but they're, um, they're really thinking about things. So amazing. It's amazing to watch and to witness. So I do have to ask, do you understand much of this Gen Z slang or terms that they use to communicate? Admittedly, not really. There's a lot of, you know, searching on the Urban Dictionary and other things that happens. I will do that in the privacy of another place, not in front of my children. But one of the fun things we've discovered as a family, so Tim, my husband, will be 62 this year. I'm 50 this year. Savannah's 28. Shelby's 25. Noah's 17. Charlotte's 16. We play this really fun game called Mind the Gap. And it has these four different generations, topical questions. And it is so fun because everybody can participate. And it's so fun to see how much we know about each other's generations. And then you learn some things, too. I cannot recommend that game enough. It is so fun. I just wrote it down. So I am going to purchase that game. And the next time I'm with the kids, I'm going to whip it out and see what they they have to say about it. And it, these are games that the kids all bring to us. They're the ones that bring us Sushi Go. And what was the, there was one around a pandemic that was, I think it might be called the pandemic or something like that, but you had to solve all of these problems. And there's some neat, fun, new things out there beyond our old games of Pictionary and the ones that we all played growing up, the big ones, but. They're so creative. Well, they, they truly are. And the, the platforms for creativity are just amazing. So Charlotte's going to a film school in New York this summer. She thinks she's interested in making films. Our kids have always been drawing and creating things. They, I think they've got a healthy left brain, right brain, but it's been fun to see as they progress. Noah is interested in communications and sports and applying those two together. And yeah, it's just, you know, I'm amazed at these kids. They have so much more direction and focus than I did at that age. I mean, I was a very slow burn getting my act together. (laughs) So it's fun to see them with a lot more focus and, and well-centered energy. 
Well, it helps to have wonderful parents and I have enjoyed this conversation so much and I feel like there's still so much to go, but we're running out of time, but this was the perfect conversation to have right before Mother's Day. Yeah, it's coming up again. You know, these years as their kids are older, Mother's Day looks different, right? But still, wouldn't change a thing. Definitely not. It's very fun to be able to celebrate all the women in our lives, the moms, the bonus moms, the grandmas, the foster parents, all those people who have stepped up and made a difference in the lives of our kids, of us, different generations. I mean, it's so important to have that influence in your life. So just wanted to recognize mothers out there, all mothers. All mothers. Yes. It's um, a hard job, but somebody's got to do it, right? Definitely. And we didn't even get to the fashionista part of you because you're very fashionable. And we didn't even get a chance to talk about book club light, which I wanted to do because I don't know if you know this, but Orange Juice Optional is doing a book of the month. And every month we read a book. Yes, I do. Yeah. So I do know. And I've been tracking your books and I have them with me. I have a couple of them always with me when I travel. One of the episodes that I loved was when you were talking about the poor, the fashion poor decision. And I have to say, you are so brave wearing new shoes or uncomfortable shoes traveling because (laughs) I... It's the worst time to, to try out new shoes, but I would gladly put on a couple pair of extra socks if you want to hand over those Louis Vuitton shoes to me or the contest. No, we would welcome you back anytime with Book Club, Michelle. We've really missed you. We had a, a gathering a, a couple weeks ago and you are always, always missed. Yeah, talk about having some FOMO, but I'm going to be up in Alaska soon, so hopefully we can all get together. But I'll just throw out that this month our book is Homecoming. It's a novel by Kate Morton. Suzanne did select it, and she selected a book that has like 547 pages. (laughs) It's still blowing my mind. Yeah, so I've got some reading to do, but I'll get it done. I will commit to reading that. Um, Homecoming, okay, by Kate Morton. Love Kate Morton. Yeah, we'll see. The last book that I read that was that, maybe that long, was The King Solver by, no, the, what was it? The King Something by Barbara Kingsolver. Poisonwood Bible by Barbara Kingsolver. I got bored. I was like 100 pages away and I just put it down and never finished it. So I will commit to Suzanne and you to trying a big book again. Great. Yeah. I think the last book I read this long and it was actually longer was like Gone with the Wind or something. It's been a long time. (laughs) Shogun's a really long book, but that one's fun, you know, and really culturally different. So that's neat. I read a sweet, very short book called The The Downstairs Girl. I'm blanking on the name of of the author just last week when I was on a plane. And that's another really fun one for if you need a, a smaller bite book. I'm going to be looking to you for future suggestions. And I don't know if you know this yet, because it was only announced, I think, in the episode that was released this past week. But we're doing another giveaway contest. It's not the boots, but we're coming up Is it $10,000 with... or something? No, not $10,000. It's the 10K <laughs> giveaway in May. 10K, that's what it is. <laughs> because we had, we've had... 10,000 downloads of the podcast. And so we're celebrating that because we are celebrating 
our listeners. So that's really exciting. I clearly did not listen very closely. I'm sorry for that. Well, I better Um, clarify that. I don't want someone thinking that they're going to win $10,000 because it's just a gift basket, which is still cool. There was no dollar sign. The 10K threw me, so... You're so funny. Yeah, You're going to have me yeah. worried about that. I'm going to be up in the middle of the night going, what? <laughs> so I would like, since you're the guest, one of the, the ways you can enter or one of the requirements for the contest is there's going to be a code word in each episode. So is there a word you would like to throw out there as the code word this week? My One of my nicknames is Hummingbird. I like so it. That's that's the code word. Okay, everyone, you heard it here first. Hummingbird <laughs> is the code word for this week. So there was last week's word, this week's word. And remember, each time you enter a word, it's another entry into the contest. So it'll be a great basket. I don't know what's in it other than it's not $10,000, but it'll be great. So to thank you for inviting me on as a guest, I have a very cool dry bag made by Fishywear, an Alaska female designer, Linda Leary. And she uses these really great, colorful Alaska fish, fowl, animal prints. So I'd love to donate that for your super duper gift basket. Thank you so much. That's going to be a wonderful addition. Maybe that'll be the inspiration for the whole basket. Yeah, some fun rosé or bubbles. Oh, like the one, the bubble glasses that we got you guys for the boat. Oh my gosh, those are the my favorite. corksicle ones. No, they're corksicle, right? They are. They're wonderful. Yeah. They have the glass inserts so it doesn't taste metal. Like, they're perfect. <laughs> I love them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Some, you know, some bubbles on the go, wine and cheese, dry bags on the go. Yeah. All good things. Okay. Well, we always close out our episode with something to sip on. And knowing you, I bet you have some words of wisdom you'd like to leave our listeners with. Michelle, you and I have wonderful moms and they've done so much for us. And one of the quotes that I remember my mom saying, which I don't think I necessarily really appreciated until I was a mom myself, working and married all these opportunities to be warm yet firm. And the quote my mom used to say is, don't let a wishbone grow where a backbone should be. And it doesn't mean you have to be mean. It doesn't mean you have to be cold or unfeeling, but that your life, your family, your love, these are things that you can stand up for. That's my something to sip on. Thank you so much. That's beautiful. And happy Mother's Day to you and your mom. And happy Mother's Day to my mom and my loved ones. And with that, I'm just going to say cheers. Cheers. Cheers.